Welcome, my love, to The Collective. The Collective is you, it is me, it is every woman. Raising the vibration of the fucking planet as we show up, step up, and serve the purpose we were put here for. My name is Taylor Ray. I am the queen of blending the woo with the work, and I'm going to show you how to do just that. I'm an entrepreneur, podcaster, speaker, and spiritual business mentor, and I help visionary women just like you build online businesses so they can have the impact they are here for and call in the abundance they are so worthy of. Get ready to become unapologetic, abundant, and aligned as fuck because the universe has put you here in divine timing and you're exactly where you're meant to be. Oh my gosh, babe, if you have ever wanted to listen to an episode that's going to give you all of the things when it comes to the different phases of the moon, understanding full moon rituals, new moon rituals, what to do with the different phases, how to manifest with them, how to release with them, what masculine and feminine energies mean and how we can really tap into them, as well as understanding the different elements of your star sign, like your sun, your rising, your moon, all of that magic stuff, then you have come to the right place. I am so so excited to bring you this incredible interview with the founder of Spirit Daughter, Jill Winterstein. Now, if you haven't heard of Spirit Daughter before, Spirit Daughter is one of the leading astrology and wellness brands online, serving a community of hundreds of thousands of people online. On Instagram alone, they have nearly 900,000 followers where they help and teach and educate their audience on understanding the different cycles of the moon, astrology, the cosmos, the powers of the universe, and how to tap into all of that in order to live your best life. Jill was introduced to astrology as a teenager and continued her exploration while studying yoga, meditation, and Chinese medicine. These are the practices that served her as the foundation of her life for over 20 years, even as she became a neuroscience researcher with a master's degree in psychology. From there, she ended up going to Bali, which really was the catalyst for everything and what really brought about Spirit Daughter, where she started to work with dream catchers, which soon became moon guides, and she started to really educate her audience, like I said, on astrology and the culture and just the powers of the universe. And honestly, we just tap into so much of that beautiful knowledge today inside of this episode. And I feel like I got a lifetime of knowledge in just an hour. I learned so much from speaking to Jill and I feel incredibly grateful that I get to share this interview with you today. So as you are listening, please do make sure that you screenshot your favorite parts of the episode, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at Tayray Official so I know you are loving it as much as I loved doing it. And guys, let's dive in into the interview. All right, beautiful Jill, welcome to the podcast. So excited you are here. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm very, very honored to have you. I love your account, Spirit Daughter, and I think this is just going to be such a fun interview. Thank you. Excited to be here. Going to be great. First off, I just want to dive right in. You know, you know so much about spirituality and everything that you talk about, so many beautiful rituals and everything like that. I want to know what a day in your life looks like. So are there a lot of different rituals that you have? What does your day look like? Morning routine, night routine? Let's just dive right into all the stuff. Uh, well, my day, I have a, a nine month old baby. So my day really revolves around him and his schedule. Uh, it used to not just be you know, different, but <laughs> so, uh, basically, you know, I get up, uh, with him. My intention is to try and meditate before he gets up in the morning. Um, and I make that 50% of the time, um, you know, and, but I always, so I get up with him and, you know, we kind of do our morning, 
mommy, baby, you know, and, you know, my husband's there and we kind of do family time. Uh, so the first two hours are really family time, uh, of my day. And then he goes down for his first nap and then I meditate, uh, you know, again, or for the first time. And then I like dive into work basically. And so, uh, I get like that window, that nap time window to work. Um, and you know, I do meetings and stuff like that. And then it's baby time again, you know, another two hours of baby time. And I listen to a lot of stuff. Like I'll listen to things, I'll listen to podcasts and stuff while I'm like hanging out with them. So like there's multitasking, uh, involved there. And then, you know, it's back to work. (laughs) (laughs) He goes out for a nap. I go back to work. He gets up. Uh, you know, we go for a walk, we do a nighttime routine. So it's very much like a mommy schedule. Uh, and then he goes down at seven and then, um, you know, I'll usually meditate again. I like to end my day with a meditation, um, like around sunset and, you know, I'll go back to work or I'll do yoga, um, you know, or I'll like do a lot of my rituals at night because I have the time, uh, to do them then. So but in the morning, I always make it, you know, it's, I meditate and I write a gratitude list every morning, like no matter what. So, uh, and I rarely miss that. I don't think anything is really taking me away. And sometimes I just meditate for like 11 minutes, you know, it's not always like a long meditation. Um, when I was younger, you know, I had more time, I would meditate for like an hour a day. Um, but you know, lately it's like 11 minutes, 15 minutes of meditation. And then, you know, I write a gratitude list. And if, if I'm feeling like extra emotional, I'll do like some journaling. Uh, I'll dive into journaling after my meditation. Um, but yeah, I, re- I rarely ever miss those things, no matter what. Love that. The power of routines, yeah. man, honestly, and like rituals <laughs> and grat- like gratitude lists changed my life. Like, I think I was honestly such a different person before I started doing that. And even now, if I wake up in like a bit of a shitty mood, like it's just it's for me, it's very cleansing to be like, wait, 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 change your state. What are you grateful for? And it just shifts everything. So I love that you do that. And I kind of want to, I want to come back to like your meditation and what that actually looks like. But before that, what I really want to talk about is like, you know, the shift into letting go of the routine that you had, obviously when Bob came along, like I'm not a mum, so I can't speak to this. And I speak about routines and rituals all the time, but I know we've got a lot of listeners who do have kids and it is different, or maybe they've made that transition and they're feeling lost. Like what's some of the advice that you'd have there for those like who have just had a baby or have a kid and just feel like, I don't, I don't think I have time for routine. Like there's no time for me. Yeah. Well, you know, with babies, it's better when there is a routine for them. So, you know, I crafted the routine, you know, for him and then I kind of work around it. Uh, you know, before I had him and even when I was pregnant, I, you know, would, would get up and I would do about, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, um, of my ritual, even when I was like working, uh, like full on working, um, you know, I, I would take that time and I would, journal and it looked a lot different. And, you know, I rarely get like a 45 minutes to an hour just to like journal and pull cards and light candles and do the whole, because morning rituals are really, really important to me. I've had them for years and they've changed, you know, like I said, when I was younger and I had more time and I was, um, you know, practicing a lot of yoga, I would do like an hour of meditation, an hour of yoga every morning, Um, you know, and then that shifted, especially when I took on spirit daughter and started working a lot more, it's like it kind of shortened a little. Uh, And now, you know, the transition into having a baby, it was, it was tough, but I, you know, I, 
I carve out the time and I carve it around his schedule. And, you know, when I first had him, it was really, really difficult to, you know, set aside even 10 minutes to meditate, but I just knew I had to, and it's just 10 minutes. Um, you know, so even in, the very beginning when we had no schedule and everything was all over the place, you know, newborn, newborn life, you know, I would still take, take that 10 minutes. Like if he went down for a nap, I would, I would meditate or I would ask my husband to hang out with him and I would meditate. Uh, Cause it's that, it's that important. And you just have to make it a priority. You know, it's like, you just have to make it a priority and you, and you just have to tell yourself like, it's just, it's just 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I can carve out 10 minutes. Sometimes you might only have five minutes, but that's all you need. That's all you need. If you do it consistently every day, even five minutes every day can make a huge difference in your life and in your energy. It doesn't have to be hours, hours long. Um, You know, and so that's my, that would be my advice to new moms is like, just get, get the minutes where you can and know that, know that that's enough. Know that like just dedicating even five minutes, 10 minutes a day is enough, you know, Mm -hmm. of, of meditation And, and it'll come back. And then, you know, around four or five months, we had a pretty, pretty solid routine with him, uh, and really working on having a routine with him and then working my routine around that. You know, yeah. so I, I work around his schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the way it is. <laughs> I almost don't really have a choice there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, haven't had a baby, but I feel like it is, it's probably always adapting a little bit and being open to the involvement of what's going to happen at different stages of their lives. So, and I think right. that's for anyone, no matter whether you've got kids or not, whether you've got a business or you've got a nine to five or you're doing a side hustle, like things are always changing. Like you're all, your life's always evolving in some way. So I think having that, you know, openness to adaptability is a great thing to have because it means you're never going to be freaking out if the routine does change up a little bit. Um, but I do. Yeah. That- yeah. And it changes. It changes from day to day. Like, you know, one day I'll sleep like two hours another day I'll sleep like one hour. And I'll be like, I just don't know. And we had a, we had a nanny, uh, um, but you know, we haven't had a nanny for a while just because of the whole situation. And I think we will bring a nanny back in when he, uh, turns one because the naps like get shorter and there's no way I can work, you know, without, without quality nap time. it is at it's fortunate that it's all happened in the timing that it's happened now not later you're like okay I can handle it now he's still napping (laughs) but yeah yeah something else later on yeah for sure um exactly I was loving about your like meditative practice like what does that look like is it guided is it listening to music what do you do uh I do vipassana meditation I don't know if you've heard of that um so Vipassana meditation, it's normally taught in a 10-day course, which is a silent retreat. And a lot of people know of it as the silent retreat. Uh, you go to a Vipassana center, they're all around the world. Uh, and it's taught by this um, you know, man named Goenka. Uh, it was an Indian man and, uh, it's, you know, he's not there. It's usually taught, it's taught by recording, um, cause the centers are all over and it, you sit and you observe the body's sensation. So a lot of like the mindfulness based stress reduction, um, that you hear of that's like very popular now, like the body scan technique is based off of Vipassana. So Vipassana is, um, I guess it's kind of the, the original form of that body awareness, body sensation scan technique. So you just sit and you observe 
sensations coming up in different areas of the body and you just constantly like scan through your body. And the point is to not react to anything. So when you're, when the ten, during the 10 day, which is kind of like the training to do it, you know, you're sitting for, you know, eight, 10 hours a day in meditation. And so all kinds of things come up, like your back starts burning or you have an itch or, you know, you're sitting for so long, your hips are like aching. And the point is to not react to anything. You just observe the sensations as they come up and know that they are just sensations. So knowing that everything that occurs within you is merely a sensation and it will pass. Right. The point is to realize it like everything passes. Uh, so, you know, just really sitting with that. And it's it's a it's a challenging meditation. I think that once somebody goes through the 10 day, I did three, I did three 10 day courses. But after the first one, you know, it, it kind of like breaks you in a way where then you can just drop right in. And that's, you know, when I would meditate and meditate for an hour in the morning, an hour at night after, you know, I did that course and like over the years while I was doing them. Um, but it, it, you do, you just drop in. So now I just sit down and I can just like drop in a meditation and actually like music or guided or whatever. I don't even like hear it. If, even yeah. if I put something on, cause I just like go right in. Um, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It, it's kind of like the Navy SEALs of meditation training in a way. Cause it really like, <laughs> <laughs> it's right. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, how do you learn to meditate? I'm like, yeah, torture. <laughs> the fastest route is torture. <laughs> the fastest route is torture, actually. Yeah. You know, because the, there are moments in the Vipassana class where you just, I mean, it's it's hard. And it's completely silent. So you don't talk for 10 days to anybody. You don't even, you know, there's no phones, obviously. There's no communication with the outside world. Uh, you don't even make eye contact with anybody. The point is to like, just be in your you know, your own energy and your own space. So yeah, it's crazy. I, I feel like I would love to do that, but I know it would be, I'm a talker, man. That's why I, that's why I, that's why I started podcasting. Cause I was like, well, I need to chat and people can hear it. <laughs> like I love to chat. So I feel like it would be really hard, but I also feel like it would be really good for me as well. So that's, I'm yeah, it's an amazing podcast. experience. It's an amazing experience. It's really hard to to go because you know you're like setting yourself up for this like 10 days of no yeah. talking and all that stuff. But it's an absolute amazing life-changing experience. And I like highly recommend it to, to really anybody. And anybody really wants to learn meditation and have a solid meditation practice, like that's that's the way for me anyway to do it. I mean, there's other routes obviously to learning meditation, but that's that's kind of like, you know the most direct that I know of. It's <laughs> like, yeah, no excuses. Just get it done and get good at it. So how yeah. cool. I love that. I've never heard of it before. So that's very interesting. I might pop that on my bucket list as something to, something to do at yeah. some point when I feel like it's time to be quiet for a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So let's talk, let's talk about Spirit Daughter and how that all came about. Like your background, you're such a leader in astrology and wellness and, you know, your Spirit Daughter account on Instagram is followed by nearing a million people now, which is so incredible. I want to talk about how that's all, how that all happened. How did, how did Spirit, how was Spirit Daughter born? Uh, Spirit Daughter was born. I actually started it um, not as an astrology company. I started it. I was. I found these dream catchers actually one time behind me. Uh, 
in Bali and I started, uh, I worked with a woman who made them there and I started selling them uh, online and I launched Spirit Daughter as that because I just wanted to, I was teaching yoga in LA and I wanted to do something other than teaching yoga and I wanted, you know, I wanted a business and I wanted uh, some freedom in my schedule because when you teach yoga, it's very like regimented and lots of schedules uh, to adhere to. So, but while I was teaching yoga, I was also hosting new moon circles, uh, in person in LA at small gatherings. And so it naturally like made its way into spirit daughter. And I was, um, you know, trying to think of another product that I wanted to bring in. And, you know, this was probably about six months after I launched spirit daughter. And it just occurred to me that to write workbooks based on the moon, um, you know, I was, med- I was meditating. I was actually um, up in Mammoth, which, you know, the woods. And I was meditating and just it just came to me. And I was like, I need to take what I'm doing in the circle and put it in a workbook in a form that anybody anywhere in the world can pick up this workbook and they immediately uh, can, can have a moon circle for themselves. You know, they can understand the astrology of the new or full moon. Um, you know, there's practices in there. They can do meditation, yoga. It was all stuff I was doing in the new moon circle in person. And I just figured out how to put it, you know, in a book that people could use and, you know, make it, um, you know, digital printed. So anybody in the world could get it. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I really want to dive into talking about, you know, those, the moon rituals and the moon cycles. And I know a very tiny little bit, like, and I have little things that I've done in the past, but I definitely don't make it probably as much as a practice as I should and could. Um, But I would love to know like what that looks like. And for somebody who wants to start to understand, you know, full moon rituals, new moon rituals, like intention setting, cleansing, like which is for what, like, what does it look like? Uh, well, you know, the whole lunar cycle is about a month. So it's 29 days and it starts with the new moon. So you have the new moon begins the you know, new lunar cycle every month uh, and takes place, you know, on different days because it is 29 days. It's not like we can say, well, the new moon is the first of every month, which by the way, when you own a subscription company based on the moon, it's very difficult. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, but you know, so the, the new moon kicks it off the lunar cycle and you know, the full moon is two weeks later and that's, that's the middle. So that's the, that's the peak in a lot of ways. Um, and then, you know, two weeks later you get another new moon, which starts another lunar cycle. And so when you follow the cycles of the moon, you end up with a blueprint you know, with a blueprint of, you know, what to do. So, you know, if you are trying to figure out when to cleanse, when to release, when to build, when to set intentions, here's your blueprint. It's right in the lunar cycle. And so the new moon kicks it off. That's the time to set intentions. Like it's, it's the beginning, right? It's the rebirth of the, of the cycle. Uh, it's when the moon meets the sun in the sky, they've joined together. There's, you know, you can't see the moon because it's with the sun. It's, you know, um, in you know there's no light reflecting off of it from from the sun so um you know it's invisible but it's still very powerful because it is with the sun in the sky and um you know just like the sun the moon travels through zodiac constellations and energies um a lot faster than the sun obviously it makes its way through the entire zodiac within a month span and so while the sun is say sitting in taurus the moon uh meets the sun in taurus where our last new moon was we have our new moon and then the moon the sun stays put 
or you know travels just a little bit and the moon goes through all you know 12 zodiac constellations forming the whole lunar cycle and then meets back up with the sun which is now moved to the next zodiac sign gemini uh you know and they we have a new lunar cycle you know and so but this whole time that the moon you know is making its way through the zodiac constellations we have you know the waxing moon period which is our time to build our intentions so we set intentions on the new moon we build them as the moon is gaining light uh and then we get around to usually the first quarter which is the half moon that's when like a lot of obstacles pop up uh that's when like our self-doubts pop up that's when external obstacles will pop up and so normally you know i coach people during that time to really be aware of that and really aware of any tension any friction feeling where that's coming from so it's like we set the intentions first quarter brings us some blocks some things some barriers um and you know chances for breakthrough so i usually guide people in like breaking through uh to the other side of you know their dreams during that period um and then and, you know the the moon so it keeps traveling and then it ends up uh where we have our full moon which is halfway uh and when we have our full moon it directly opposes the sun so you know if the sun's in taurus directly opposing that is scorpio scorpio and taurus sit opposite each other on the zodiac wheel the moon lands in scorpio and then they're opposing one another um and that's why the full moon is so intense because we're you know earth we're in the middle right so they're opposing each other earth's in the middle and so we basically have you know this tension between uh sun and moon that we're sitting right in the middle of and so we feel that in our emotional body and so that's why full moons can be so intense um and they're also very beautiful because we can see them right it's a full full light on the moon and so you know that's the time that we really can do the work that we need to do to break down anything within us um i always say the new moon is when we set the intentions and the full moon is when we do the work to manifest them and so, you know, we're really working on like, why isn't this working out? Where do I, you know, what's blocking me? We look at our shadows, we can see our subconscious patterns, we can see, you know, things that need to be shifted, we can see where we need to bring balance, working with the energies of the full moon. So our last um, full moon was in Scorpio last week, which is really powerful. And so we were working with the energies of Scorpio where the moon was and the energies of Taurus where the sun was. And so between that, we have this sort of spectrum of energy where we can say, okay, where am I aligning with the lower vibrations of these signs? Where am I aligning with the higher vibrations? Every energy is a higher and a lower vibration. So where am I picking, where am I picking those up in my personality and in my life? Uh, where am I attracting those in? How can I shift out of the lower vibrations? How can I shift out of the shadows during the full moon into the higher frequencies of these signs? And so that's like the work on the full moon. You get to do that every month, you know? And, you know, when we follow the, the lunar cycle, it's like we get a different set of energies, like themed from from whatever zodiac constellation they're in. So next month we'll be working with Gemini and Sagittarius. We get to work with those energies, those shadows, those lower and higher frequencies. Um, and so it creates this beautiful dance and blueprint. And so we have the full moon, which is like the peak, it's the midway point in the winter cycle. And then the moon keeps traveling 
uh, you know, around the earth and we get to the last quarter, which is the second half moon. Uh, and the last quarter ushers in its time of release. And so that's when we want to cleanse. That's when we want to let go. Uh, we're currently in a waning period. We just passed the last quarter. And so it's a time to like clear space. It's a time to maybe sit with yourself a lot more, maybe journal a little bit more, dive into your feelings, observe them, give them, watch the sensations come up, right? A lot of like my work that um, I, I teach at this point comes from a lot of my Vipassana training, where it's like, okay, watch the emotions, watch the sensations come to the surface and let them go. When we bring awareness to them and just observe them without reacting, uh, we're able to shift them, we're able to release them. And so that's really the work of the last quarter. And that continues until we get to the next new moon. And so the moon continues traveling, you know, wane, 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 wane. And then we get to the next new moon, which will be in the next zodiac sign, right? So Taurus is this month, Gemini, um, next month. And so, you know, we get there and we get to start again. And then we get to set our intentions again. And we can set the same intentions or we can set new intentions. We can commit to making those last month intentions work, bring them fresh energy. We're, you know, we're reborn. Every lunar cycle, we get to rebirth. That was amazing. Honestly, like I love that. And I've never had someone explain it so clearly and just so like, it actually like all makes sense in my head. Now I'm like, okay, I understand. Cause like you hear all the time, like it's a Gemini moon or it's a Sagittarius moon. I'm like, I don't know how people are figuring out what moon it is, but I'll take it. <laughs> and just like going with it. But to understand like, you know, and just to make sure I'm on the right page, it is because that's where the full moon is. Correct. So that's the sun's obviously in the opposite. So wherever it's a full moon, that's what it actually is. So I love that. So, right, right. Yeah. So the full moon is always in the opposite sign of the, of the sun. So we, most people know what sun season it is, yeah. um, usually because it's like your friend's birthdays or something like, oh, my friend's a Gemini. It's her birthday this month. Yeah. Um, you know, we know when the sun shifts, um, you know, into different seasons. And so the new moon is always in the same zodiac sign as the sun. So if the sun is in Gemini, the new moon is in Gemini. The full moon is in the opposing zodiac sign. So that would be Sagittarius for Gemini. Wow. So, oh my God. Yeah. It all makes sense now. I love it. And that's one thing I did want to ask you about. So I know that I am, I had to look this up before we got on. I've got the CoStar app. I know that I'm an Aquarius on a Capricorn moon and a Gemini rising, but I don't know what that actually, like, I don't know what it means. And I, I feel like a lot of people listening would know those words, like the rising and the sun. Right. But what, what do you do with them? Like, once you know what those are, what does that mean for you? Um, yeah, I mean, personal astrology, it's, it can get really complex, but those are the basics. So you have a moon, you have your sun, you're rising. And so the wheel that we see, like if you pull your chart on, on CoStar or any, uh, app or site, uh, the wheel that you see is a picture of the sky when you were born referenced from where you were born. So that's why it's really important in their location and time. So you're actually looking at the sky and you're actually seeing, um, you know, where the sun was, where the moon was, where the rest of the planets were. And so, um, you know, the sun is really the center, right? So the sun is the center of your world. It's your core personality. Uh, it's in many ways what holds you together. Together, right so the sun kind of holds all of us together planets spinning around it uh, you know the sun is really what holds you together it's the center of you and so when you say you're a sun sign 
Um, it doesn't dictate your entire personality because the other planets come into play. Uh, but you know, you're an Aquarius. So that is, that, that's your core. So the energies of Aquarius, um, that's where you go to find your sanity in a lot of ways. Uh, and also what you're really here to understand. So a lot of times we don't quite understand our ourselves, right? We don't understand our core. So it becomes our life mission to kind of understand who we really are at our core. And so in a lot of ways, it's your life's mission to understand you know who who you are as an Aquarius how can those energies help you understand your energy in this life right so by studying Aquarius and by studying the energies of Aquarius you actually can study who you who your energy really is how it's manifesting in this life the core um, you know and I, I always like to say when we, whenever we dive into personal astrology there's always free will there's always free will so it's not like you know I think like sort of there's some idea that astrology is like this fixed fate, destined destiny thing, you know? Um, and there is some of that, but you know, there's always free will. So you, you can always choose to be like, yeah, I, I don't want to be like an Aquarius. I don't want to be anything like that. I'm going to, I'm going to change, reprogram myself. Um, but yeah, so the sun is the center and most people know their sun sign. And, uh, but it's not, it's not everything. And some, and some people, their sun sign is very dominant and other people it's not. So a lot of people be like, I, you know, I'm an Aries and I never identify with Aries. You know, I don't believe in astrology. And, you know, I, I may look at the chart and it's like, oh, well, you have like five planets in Capricorn. Let's talk about Capricorn. Do you feel more like a Capricorn? <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's important to kind of like sort of look at your chart and see if there's like a cluster of a bunch of planets somewhere. Um, because you may, you may want to look to that sign more for guidance. Um, but you know, getting back to you, so sun, you know, our core moon is our emotional body, right? So the moon rules our emotional body in a lot of ways, um, that goes beyond logic. Uh, so, you know, sun, there's more of a logical sense to it. The moon is more of like this raw emotion and also like our needs, right? So a lot of times we can look to our moon to see what it is that we need to feel fulfilled in our lives. Um, so what makes you feel emotionally fulfilled? And you can look to your moon side for guidance on that. Uh, when we're looking at Capricorn, your Capricorn's um, you know, more about uh, inward contemplation. And there's a little bit of solitude with Capricorn. Um, so there's a real need, you know, for space in your life and to have space alone to, to meditate and to uh, do things like rituals. Um, but, you know, that would be a way that like, if you, you know, were in a relationship to understand that, like, to feel emotionally you may need more space than the person you're with, depending on their moon sign. I get a lot of questions about relationships. Um, mm -hmm. And whenever I do look at relationships, I mean, you always look at the sun sign, but the moon sign is just as much, if not uh, more important in my eyes when we're looking at relationships because the, it's your emotions, right? It's your emotional body. So when you're looking at relationships and how you're going to be compatible with somebody else, uh, you really want to look at your, your moon. You want to look at your emotions. So, you know, moon signs, really, it's a really important one to look at. Um, and actually in my workbooks, I write about, I write moon scopes. So they're horoscopes based on your moon sign. So you can look and you can see how, you know, the sun season, how the new moon, how the full moon will affect you based on your moon sign because moons speak to moon. So if you're looking at like how the full moon is going to affect us, we want to look, you know, at, at our moon sign so you can, you know, 
um, in that, in that regard, in the workbooks and find out, you know, how, how it's going to affect you personally. Um, and then, you know, rising signs. So that's the, that's the other third player that most people talk about sun moon rising. Your rising sign is, um, the, the constellation that was rising in the horizon when you were born. So a lot of people don't quite even understand what a rising sign was. So, you know, the moment you're born, if you're looking out over the horizon, you know, there's the constellation. Uh, what did you say your rising was? Uh, Gemini. 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 So Gemini is there rising in the horizon. Um, and the horizon line's hitting it at a certain point. So each, uh, each, sign is 30 degrees right so when we put all 12 together we have the 360 degree wheel of the sky right so each so gemini is 30 degrees so the horizon line was hitting gemini at a certain degree when you were born um and you know let's just say i don't know what it is for you i don't know if you have that information but let's just say it's 17 degrees and say it's like right in the middle and so your chart actually starts at 17 degrees Gemini, you know, whatever degree it really is. We're just using it as an example. And so then that dictates um, your entire chart and your houses, right? So the pieces of the pie that you're looking at when you look at a chart, those are your houses. Those are the areas of your life. And those, they're actually really important. And they're one of the most misunderstood things in astrology. Um, but wherever your horizon line hits that degree, um, of your rising sign that begins your first house and then your houses are roughly 30 degrees it's not exact um but you know so that'll have a piece of gemini your first house and then all the pieces the next sign which is cancer and then your second house will have you know cancer and leo and so then you have signs you have these energies in each house and you have 12 houses uh, so you, you basically have all 12 Zodiac energies in your life, no matter what, even if you're not that sun sign, even if you're not that moon sign, even if you don't have that as a rising. Uh, but so the rising real is very important and kind of like determines the rest of your chart and where all your houses are placed uh, and your houses represent areas of your life, right? Uh, your first house, which is you know governed by your rising sign, is the house of the self. So that is your identity. Um, it's also how you portray yourself to the world. So in many ways, uh, our rising sign is what we show to the world. Uh, it's the mask we wear, um, you know, when we're dealing with really anybody outside of our intimate circle. Um, you know, and our sun sign shines through a lot as well, but, you know, typically we reserve like our moon sign because it is that emotional part of us for our like inner circle of people, the people closest to us. Uh, whereas our rising signs, like the opposite, we really project it outward. Just like the, one of the first things I heard from you was I'm a talker. I like to talk, you know, that's, that's Gemini, right? Gemini is a talker of the Zodiac. Gemini loves to communicate. So, you know, that's immediately one of the first things upon meeting you. It's like, you're, you're projecting your rising energy to me. You're like, Oh, you know, I'm a Gemini. I'm a talker. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, what's so funny too. I remember when I was young, don't ask me why. I just wished I was a Gemini. I thought it was the coolest sign. I wished I was one. I didn't want to be an Aquarius. And now it's all coming very clear. I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, well, it's what you want the world to think about you, you know, as, as our rising sign. And often it is. Often 
that is the first impression. Like people are always like, can you guess my sun sign? I'm like, no, but I probably can guess your rising. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You, you, you hit the nail on the head too. And you're like, no one really understands like rise. Like I didn't either. Cause I was like, I know what a sun is and I know what a moon is. What's a rising? Like I'm really not sure. So it's so cool to have that explained and to understand like how each of them plays in. And also how you said like, but it, they're all part of you in one way or another. There's just different dominant things based on, you know, where and when you were born. So God, how interesting. And I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours about all of this stuff. Like it's a lifetime of knowledge, but I'll keep to the main things. And I guess the next thing that I really wanted to ask about was, um, you know, the different energies, we've talked a lot about energy today and especially I feel like it's becoming more and more prevalent now and people are speaking about it more, but the difference between like the masculine and the feminine energy and, you know, I guess helping to understand that and how each plays a part. And one thing in particular, you know, we've got a lot of women who listen and, you know, they're visionary, they're high achieving, whether they're business women or they've got careers or they're just doing a lot in their lives. Sometimes it can feel like, you know, me personally, you know, I have found over time, I actually really thrive in my masculine, but for a while I felt like that was a bad thing because everybody was like, you know, being a feminine, being flow all the time. And I felt a lot of pressure to be more, you know, flowy. Whereas I've really found that I actually thrive in business in my masculine, but making time for my feminine. And I would love to chat about that. And for those who don't know what those are as well, to just dive into what they actually mean. Yeah. Um, well, we each hold masculine and feminine energy no matter our gender uh so that's like the first thing um and we told it to like varying degrees and at the most basic level uh masculine is sun energy feminine is moon energy um so you know when we think of masculine energy uh we can also think of yin and yang right yin yin is the feminine it's the softer it's the moon uh yang is the masculine it's the sun and so the masculine represents action represents doing it represents daytime right so we're doing the day um you know there can be you know like i said there's lower higher frequencies of every energy so there can be some forcing with the masculine uh there can be competitiveness um it is you know when we talk in terms of abundance and scarcity scarcity is more more of a masculine energy because there is this um, competitiveness that there's not enough. Uh, we need to fight over resources. It's sort of like very archetypal uh, masculine traits, right? So, um, you know, when we think of like war, it's like a masculine energy, gladiators battling masculine energy. Um, masculine, it's action. It's action oriented. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times we need to dive into our masculine to get, get stuff done, you know? <laughs> Maybe like a to-do list is yeah. a masculine action, you know, when you're, when you're organizing your to-do list, it's very masculine, um, you know, and astrology signs are masculine or feminine. So, you know, they're, they're one or the other. Um, when we look at like Aquarius, Aquarius is a masculine astrological sign. There you go. It's your sun, your center. Yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that like only men are Aquarius. It just means that, you know, there's more of an action, there's more of a young energy uh, to that. You know, it's partner Aquarius and Leo on the other side. Uh, Leo is also a masculine energy. Um, I'm a Leo. And so, you know, a lot of times I, I thrive in the masculine, um, you know, of like getting things done and, and organizing and things like that. And then, you know, sitting opposite is the feminine and the feminine is, um, it's not 
not that it's passive, it's receptive. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, feminine energy is, is more keen to receiving things and from intuition, right? Um, there's a very intuitive sense when we talk about the feminine energy and that we don't have to like make things happen or force it's flowing, right? It's flowing instead of forcing, um, and receiving information. And, you know, we look at being stillness, nighttime, you know, sitting with ourselves, um, you know, meditating and receiving information that would be, that would be, um, more of a feminine trait, you know, abundance. When we talk about abundance, abundance mindset is more of a feminine energy because with, with femininity, there's, um, you know, the idea that there is enough for everybody. You know, we take it back to like hunters and gatherers, you know, and the, the gatherers, the, the women who are gathering the berries and they were sharing because there's like tons of berries or the men were like out in the field hunting and, you know, there's only like one gazelle and only one of them was going to get it. So there's a scarcity there. And so the, those sort of images, um, you know, come down and, and they, they influence masculine and feminine energy. So these are ancient archetypes that we all have in our collective consciousness uh, that we are, you know, feeling on different levels, depending on what we're doing, depending on who we are, depending on our day, depending on what we want to align with as well. There's days where I really want to align with masculine energy because I need to like just get things done. Um, you know, on one level or, you know, and then there's days where I want to align with feminine energy because I want to receive information, yeah. you know, or I want to, or I want to uh, feel into my intuition. I've actually found a business, um, you know, we think of business to be like a masculine sort of dominated field. Um, but really in business, I find that feminine energy is much more efficient. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's just quicker. It's faster. Like you just, you feel, you sense the right thing, you know, it's intuition and you know, the right answer and you don't need to like prove it and you don't need, you know, flow charts or pros and cons lists or, you know, analytics of any kind. Um, I was like very resistant to any kind of analytics on anything like on my site, you know, and I'll be like, you use Google analytics, like see what your site traffic's doing, like all this stuff. And I was like, ah, I just feel it. I just feel what's happening. <laughs> I can just like feel what works. What doesn't. Yeah. I didn't look at like email numbers. Like I didn't look at email numbers for years. So I was just like, ah, that email worked. That email didn't. I'm going to try something different next month. Um, so, you know, I find that in business in particular, if, if we can learn to trust our feminine energy, it actually can be much more efficient uh, and much more spot on and save us a lot of time. You know, and that's, that's, that's one of the ways that I save time personally in my life is I just go with my intuition and I just like mm -hmm. download the answer instead of trying to figure it out. Uh, cause when I try to figure it out, it takes a lot longer. So yeah, yeah. It's funny because, and those who listen for a long time will know this story because it's literally how the podcast started was I had a business prior and it was so in the doing and so in the masculine, I wasn't spiritual. I didn't know how to listen to my intuition or anything like that. And it literally took like a full on breakdown for me to then hear my intuition for the first time where it was like, it was happening for you, not to you. Um, and really realizing that. And that's when I started to learn about, you know, manifesting and energy and mindset and all that like different stuff I just never opened myself up to, like the whole spiritual side. And it was when I started to combine the two and to play into, like you were saying, like sometimes it's really in my feminine. It's really a lot about feeling and that intuitive guidance, especially when it is coming from that creative place. You know, if I'm creating a new mm -hmm. course or a program, like tapping more into the feminine, but then really harnessing the energy of the masculine when it comes to doing and taking the action that needs to happen. Because I feel like a lot of people miss that piece. They set the intention right. and they, they feel it and they're like, yes, I know it's going to happen. 
And then they're like, it's not happening. And I always ask like, what action did you take? Like you need to still be doing things as well. Like come to the table. So I yeah. agree. I feel like that, that blend and learning like which one you need to be in at what time is really, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you just look at something like, um, you know, meditation, it's like you still have to take the action of getting up and sitting on the cushion and setting the alarm or setting the timer, um, uh, you know, and creating that space for yourself uh, to sit there and to be, which is feminine and to download information and receive and tap into your intuition, which is all feminine, but you still have to like take the action to to yeah, do it in the I, first place. I, I heard an amazing <laughs> thing once where it was like, like having masculine, you know, routines or action in your life makes room for the feminine to really flourish. Right. And I have a friend who she's amazing with shadow work and she talked to me all about, you know, the masculine and everything. And like, you know, apparently this year for me was going to be a lot of the masculine, which is going to make a lot of room for the feminine, uh, which right. I think is really interesting as well. It's like, you know, honoring what the feminine needs and sometimes that's the action that creates the space for it. So yeah. 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 And creating the structure. It's like we were talking, you know, routine structure. Um, you know, when you have like your structure, then you can have freedom within that structure and you can find flow within the structure. Uh, sometimes it can make it easier, like dive into the flow when you do have that structure around it to help to, to give it a little, a container, right? Yeah. A container for the flow. I love that. And yeah, so for those listening who, you know, sometimes we feel like we need to try and I hear this all the time where people are like, you know, I really want to try and balance it and have the balance. Like, would you say it's more of a like swing in which way you kind of feel called to that you need, like based on the situation, you know, if they feel like they're you know, working towards big goals, like how do they start to bring in both of those elements? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a trust that comes, like if you're working towards a big goal, um, there's a trust that has to happen where, and a shift in mindset and perception where sometimes the best thing you can do is to sit down and meditate and work on your own energy or is to sit down and um, just be for a moment and let your, let your frequency change. Um, And there's a trust in that where you're like, okay, I don't have to do all this stuff. I can literally just raise my vibration and it can call in what I want. And the, the work then becomes about raising your vibration mm-hmm. um, instead of like doing, you know, what people would normally classify or define as work mm-hmm. um, and really redefining what productivity means for you. Because some of your, our most productive days can be the days where we just, we sit and we expand in our mind and we raise our vibration and we release things that are blocking uh, we process old emotions, you know, processing right now is so important, processing emotions and um, making sure that they don't interfere. Um, but there's a trust element because it's not what we're trained to think. Like we're trained to like, we have this goal and we have this to-do list and we need to like check this off and we need to do that and we need to do that. And we have to keep working, keep plugging away. And so to, to be like, okay, I'm gonna, today I'm going to do something totally different. I'm going to work in a completely different way. And I'm actually going to like sit on my meditation cushion. And I'm going to meditate and journal and pull cards. And, um, you know, I'm just going to let myself daydream and see what downloads I get. I'm going to hold this crystal for a half hour and see what thoughts come to my, my head. You know, that it, there takes a certain trust there and a certain like allowing. We have to like allow ourselves to, to get into that space. But 
you know, that might catapult us to another level, mm-hmm. you know, so we, we can like plot it out and do these steps, you know, these methodical steps up to our goal, uh, you know, or we can say, okay, I'm going to take a new ladder and, you know, we might just like catapult up there, you know, it can, everything can change in a blink of an eye, yeah. um, you know, and we can do that energetically where we just like, you know, change our vibration, our entire life around us changes. And then how we define work, you know, completely shifts. Mm. The work becomes about the internal work and what we're doing with our own frequency than like what we're doing, you know, outside. Such a good reminder. Such a good reminder. Mm. So many good things. The only, the only last thing that I want to ask you about, and I think I'd be remiss if I didn't, but you would get this question all the time and you probably already know. Um, But I have to say it, Mercury retrograde and, understanding what that means we don't have to go deep 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 but i do just want to like ask about it i literally yesterday my partner james said something about technology not working and zoom didn't do something and i my instant response was like oh, well, it must be mercury retrograde like i have no idea but like it's easy to blame <laughs> so yeah. i just want to touch on it what it means and you know how to sort of navigate it well, we're not in Mercury retrograde right now. Uh, we actually have three other planets going to retrograde um, this Why week. Why are they not so popular? Why is Mercury always the blame? <laughs> Mercury's very, Mercury happens the most frequently. So it um, stations retrograde about three times a year for three weeks. And um, it, it appears to be moving backwards in our sky. It's not actually moving backwards. It's an optical illusion. It's just because um, it travels it, so much faster around the sun than we do. So it like laps us three times a year. Uh, and when it's like lapping us, it appears to go backwards. It's kind of like when two trains, you know, when a train like yeah. overtakes the other train and it kind of, you're like, oh, is that train going backwards? that's the same thing so um so that's the first thing is not actually moving backwards it's an optical illusion it's a cool one um but mercury governs our systems and our communication uh it governs gemini right it's a planetary ruler gemini so it rules all of our uh, information exchange and the way we exchange information which is why uh when we're dealing with mercury we're dealing with our internet our email servers instagram um, it also governs travel. So we're dealing with planes and um, trains and, you know, cars and um, all sorts of the, those things. And so retrograde basically spins the energy of the planet inward. And because Mercury is such an outward pouring of energy, it's all about like communicating. It's all about outside exchange. Um, when, the, when it gets spun inward, things like go haywire. Uh, and so we experience like breakdowns in technology, or, you know, our, our phone dies or, um, you know, we, our plane gets delayed. And so it sort of breaks down. And my, my theory is, is that Mercury retrograde breaks down anything that is not perfectly aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and it breaks it down so we can rebuild it better. And so if, you know, like say we're dealing with something uh, like computers, something very, very practical and um, mercury breaks, you know, down, down a, a piece of software. Well, let's look at the code of that, of that software. Like maybe the code wasn't perfect. You know, mm-hmm. it probably needs an update. <laughs> I probably need a new version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it exposes where there, you know, where there needs to be an update. Uh, it exposes these misalignments. Um, and, you know, that's a very sort of 
uh, on the surface example, but it also does the same for us. So it exposes like places where we need to be realigned and actually will, you know, break down things. Um, I find that a lot of times it'll like give me more space. Like there'll be a miscommunication. There's always miscommunications during Mercury retrograde. There'll be like a miscommunication in an appointment or something. And I'm like, oh, well, I, I'm not meeting with that person. I'm going to take that time to do something else. And then it turns out that something else was exactly like what I needed uh, in the moment. And so you really have to look for the silver linings. And that's always my uh, advice really with anything in life but especially mercury retrograde is to really look for the silver lining so like if your computer system does go down uh you know what can you do can you connect with nature uh, can you take a break can you go outside you know connect connecting with nature will always help uh any of these things especially mercury retrograde um you know if there is any miscommunication between you and your partner like what is that showing you about the fundamentals of how you communicate anyway uh where can, where can you improve where can you uh realign with what you really want to say and what how you really want to receive and listen uh, so you know it's like sil silver linings and like take the opportunity for realignment when things do break um and then also you know don't just assume that everything is going to break down it's like there is sort of self-fulfilling prophecy with mercury retrograde that i've noticed it's like people are like first mercury retrograde and everything starts breaking because our minds are so powerful we're so, our energy is so powerful yes. our minds it's our our energy is so powerful that like if we believe it's going to break our energy will make it break. You'll create you know, it. So, exactly. so it's, you know, don't just like assume everything's going to break down. Um, but do use the time, you know, because it does spin the energy inward. We are spinning our communication inward. So it is a fantastic time to journal and to dive deeper in, have deeper conversations with yourself and uncover things that normally aren't on the surface. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's a real opportunity, especially if it, you know, happens to land uh, like the next Mercury retrograde is going to be in the sign of cancer. Um, you know, so like cancer is a very inward sign. It's a very emotional sign. I mean, this is just like a perfect opportunity to go inward and explore your emotions on Mercury retrogrades. Uh, so, you know, it's like look for the opportunities and, you know, look for the silver linings. And don't just assume that that's going to happen. Because no. that's how it happens is by just assuming it will happen. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, Mercury retrograde or not, there's that's a really good lesson for all of us and especially you know we're recording at this this at the time of you know covid and everything that's been going on right now you know understanding that sometimes you know we need a little reset and there are a lot of good things to look at that's you know come about as a result of this and in any case you know things don't go the way that you want them to it's like what i was saying before like you know a breakdown happens for you not to you like you know there's always something that you can pull out of it that's positive so i do love that little piece as well just to look for that silver lining so yeah, absolutely. So good. Honestly, thank you so much. I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed this interview. It has been so great. If there was one last thing that is on your heart to say that you just feel called to share that you want to leave our listeners with, what would it be? Um, what would it be? I would say it would be to connect with your heart, especially right now. Um, speaking of retrogrades, I just... Um, we're in v Venus retrograde right now, and it's a really a return to love. Um, and really, I think that this time it's so important to reach uh, for the highest frequency of love um, and then just allow everything else in your life to reach for you. But really just keep, keep reaching for an open heart and the vibration of love, especially right now. Thank you. I got goosebumps when you said that. That was... 
I feel like it's what I needed to hear. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so, so, so much. Your energy is amazing. Everything that you've said today, I appreciate you sharing it so much with us. Um, tell everyone where they can find you online, where they can reach you, find your workbooks, all the things. Uh, Spirit Daughter, just all over. Uh, Instagram, Spirit Daughter website, www.spiritdaughter.com. Uh, and yeah. Just, probably just Google Spirit Daughter and buy me. <laughs> but we'll pop in the show notes so it's super easy for you to go and connect with Jill. Jill, thank you so much for coming on. It has seriously been a pleasure. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, have a good day. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with me in today's episode. Because you're a part of the collective, I know you're a visionary woman ready for more and I'm here to remind you that the world needs your life. If you love this episode or know somebody who would, please share it to your IG stories and tag me at TayRayOfficial. And if you want to show some love for the podcast, please head on over and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss all of the magic coming here soon. For more support, check out the episode show notes, my courses, services, and digital products by heading over to taylorray.com.au. Big love, babe. And until then, go and shine that beautiful light. The world is waiting for you.